Wow. <laughs> uh, welcome to season five, episode four of the oh. Fusion Underground. This is actually episode 52. When you just tally them, when you sum all of them together, this is the 52nd episode. And here at the Fusion Underground, what we try to do is we try to make sense of the world by having principled discussions about such topics as entertainment, current events, politics, and culture. Our mission is to educate people to become critical thinkers so they can live more empowered and happier lives. As always, I'm your host, Manuel Ramirez, and I'm joined in the virtual studio, as always, by the one, the only, the magnificent, Jason Moret. How are you doing, brother? I'm good. Good, brother. How are you? I'm hanging in there. All right. Hanging in there. So we're here for another episode. Today, we're going to talk about games. Games. Games, gaming, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like like nerd stuff games or like board games like monopoly and clue and yes yes to oh. it all yes so we're going to all. talk about okay. not specifically but we're going to talk really more about the idea of games and why i or i should say how games are actually beneficial to society so we'll get into that okay I like to think that I play games with society on a daily basis, but that's probably a little different than what you're alluding to, I'm thinking. <laughs> yeah, a little bit different. Um, but before we get into that, we do have some some stupid news. So I have a couple of things on stupid news Okay. to talk about. I don't, did you see the episode or not episode? Did you see the video where the White House is just completely... Um, Owning it in. Why are you laughing at me now? <laughs> you called it an episode. I think that was a Freudian slip. Yeah. <laughs> Be because I do feel like the videos of the White House almost feel more like a, a sitcom than they yeah. do, you know, like press conferences or actual news. It does yeah. feel like a, a comedy sitcom more than anything else. Yeah. Every time I see something out of the White House. They are just, uh, it's, it's quite sad. So this was actually posted up a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Um, we haven't had a chance to talk about it and i i pulled it out and i thought we gotta we gotta we gotta at least we gotta at least poke fun at this because this is this is quite redonkulous um so i i need to unhide so i can see you the visible the video panel okay <laughs> so i'm gonna play this, you got once. this yeah i'm all over it like white on rice okay was that racist? <laughs> like a pack of dogs on a three-legged cat. 
I like cats. Knock it off. <laughs> the Kittler. So I'm going to play this once, and I want to see if you catch it. All right. Oh, so boy. Okay. Biden is coming out. He's walking across the lawn here at the White House, and he's walking up. He's wearing his mask and his nice suit. He looks good. Um, but he's going to walk up, and he's going to talk to the reporters or standing the, the, the gaggle there, as they call it. He's going to walk up and talk to the gaggle. Let's see if you catch it. Not at the moment. Have you decided when you're able to share thoughts with other countries? Is it allies or neighbors first? Who will be the first country to get U.S. vaccine? I've been talking with several countries. Okay, did you did you did you catch it? Uh, the the sorry, I know they the she asked him about. Are you able to comment on the the crisis oh. at the border? Yeah. He said, not, not now, not at this time. Right, not at this time. But you didn't catch it. So it had nothing to do with what he actually said. So oh. when, when, he, when he walks up, you know, what's kind of sad is he's walking up and he seems very fragile to me. I don't know he, if that's... No, he, he seems very deliberate in each step. It, it's, yeah, every it's step very is awkward. very... Like a little, like a toddler almost who's learning how to walk. But, you know, you told him, hey, if you walk it across, if you walk across the lawn, I'll give you an ice cream bar something you know is like okay I gotta, like, <laughs> very 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 <laughs> right. when he comes up so i'm going to point it out to you when when he walks up to the gaggle i want you to pay attention to his arms and the microphones well i did see the the, the boom mics almost looking like they yeah. were trying to hit him in the crotch yeah watch his arms and the microphones all right Did you catch it? Looked like he was trying to grab it. Right here. If you can, I can't, I can't blow it up anymore, but if you watch it, they've actually been digitally added to the film and his hand actually passes in front of the microphones. It's grease. It's green screened. The microphones are actually green screened onto the footage. Not at the moment. Why? Isn't that wild? That's bizarre. Not at the moment. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once you see it, it stands out like a sore thumb. Yeah, no kidding. It is very apparent that something was green screened. Why? I don't understand. Not at the moment. So there, there were a lot of theories that were floating around the internet when this came out. One of them was that Biden was in front of a green screen the entire time. I don't think that was actually what happened. I don't think it was. I don't think that's what happened. I think what happened, I think what, what actually transpired is there just were not that many microphones present and they wanted to add in a couple more to beef it out so that it seemed like there were a lot of reporters standing there. Um, and whoever, whoever actually put those microphones in the video was just really, really awful. Now, you might say, well, you just pulled this from, you know, somebody just did this and threw it up on, on social media and you just, this was the video that was, that was 
aired by like the Washington Post and CNN and MSNBC. So it was this, the same video. It wasn't, uh, I'm not showing you the doctored version of it. I'm showing you the exact one that the media ran with. But I don't, that, okay, I'm sorry. I, I, I hate to be a, a pin in the butt. That it still doesn't make any damn sense. It doesn't make any damn sense because the, the, the boom, that, that doesn't tell me that there's a difference of 10 to 50 people in the press corps standing there asking them questions. And what the hell does that matter? Right. So, I mean, that theory of we, we green screened or we digitally added boom mics into the bottom of the screen, which aren't those normally at the top anyway, not usually the bottom. Maybe no, that's these are ones that are held, held by, they're held and, by and hands. That's fine. You no, know, they have them like this and they're put, putting out the, the mics to, to actually, you know, so that they can capture his, his verbiage. Um, I don't know why they did it. My theory is just that they wanted to add in a couple of other mics. I don't know. Something's off. The, but the, why the, would whole, you, the whole thing seems off. Right. Why would you green screen that? You know, one of the other things I was thinking about watching, watching Biden, you know, he's appearing all the time in masks. Only yeah. a few times is he actually taking the mask off. I mean, uh, you know, the other day he was on the balcony. Remember when, when, when Trump appeared on the balcony of the White House mm-hmm. back in early January and the media said that that was very that was very much like a dictator who goes out and appears on the balcony and speaks to a crowd. Yeah, I remember and yet, that. And yet last week Biden did that exact same thing. He appeared on the balcony of the White House, same spot. How very brave. <laughs> right? Stunning well, and brave. I mean, and he but he was wearing his mask. He was, he had his mask on. Jill had his had her mask on. I'm like, why are they wearing masks? There's nobody up there with them. Well, and not only they're, well, they're the Easter both fully vaccinated. Right, they're what fully the vaccinated. The point? They're wearing masks. Why are you wearing a mask? Doing their great Mussolini impression, right? <laughs> and I, that's what the media told me before. When Trump did it, it was like Mussolini, and they actually had like comparisons with Mussolini out there side by side with Trump, right? But Biden goes out on the exact same balcony. Perfectly right. okay. That's Perfectly totally acceptable. Fine. But but well, here's the thing: when he's wearing that mask, <laughs> what bothers me is, or at least concerns me, is. Who knows whatever the hell he can, he's talking about? Because you can't make it out. I don't know. You can't see. You can't see his mouth. Mm-hmm. He could have been talking about in that video clip right now. Yeah, he was asked about what was going on at the border. But for all I know, his actual response was probably something like, "I liked the fish and chips." <laughs> you know, I mean, hell, they already doctored the video by putting in boom mics that are just terrible. You can see his arm pass right through them. Right. You can totally tell it's green screened, right? I'm not saying he's in front of the green screen. I'm saying something was digitally added. The, the boom mics were actually digitally added in there. But who's to say they didn't actually digitally add in the, the voice over that over that clip and then hand it out? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, uh, all I know is they're, the whole video is off. The Something's whole video off. is terrible. The whole video is just, uh, yeah, the whole video is absolutely um, I don't know, and and he looks awkward walking up there. I got to say that does. all I can he do does. is, yeah, that poor guy. Researchers in China have created nose-only COVID nineteen masks. No, nose only. Well, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Nose. The whole idea was covering your nose and mouth because it was droplet. droplet. <laughs> i'm sorry you can't i was in the middle of a thought you can't throw that up there while i'm in the middle of talking 
It's oh, a nose no. only. It looks as ridiculous as you think it, it, it looks. Oh. oh, okay. Yeah. So you, you no longer spread droplets out of your mouth while talking, sneezing, chewing, coughing, or anything else. I got it. Does anybody else out there see the ridiculousness and idiocracy of what? No, I guess nobody else does. No, cause... they don't. No. <laughs> but only if you're fully vaccinated is a nose, a nasal covering acceptable. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just the nose covering. Um, this is actually ridiculous. This is this is just we're we're at full. And, and speaking of it's, other of other COVID news. <laughs> It's a booger cut. <laughs> it's a nose it's a, hammock. It's a snot cut. I love There's, it. <laughs> I don't know if you can if you can see this um, very well, but these are pictures, two pictures taken at a church. And same church, same day. On the left is a little podium with a, an image on it. <laughs> And it's a little sign on the podium that says, not yet vaccinated? You need to sit in this section of the church then if you're not vaccinated. Masks, social distancing required in the pews. In the other side of the church is a similar sign, little podium, but the sign says fully vaccinated, mass social distancing required in the pews. <laughs> If you're going to require mass and social distancing, why split it people up? <laughs> What's the point? We <laughs> There's no difference in the seating requirements on either no. side. No. So you get vaccinated, you still have to wear a mask, you still have to social distance, you still have to get compartmentalized. The, the, the sign on the left with the not vaccinated, let's just shame people. That's all we're doing. We're trying to do shame them into eventually getting the vaccine in church, in, ch in church. No, we're going to shame people in church. But now I don't know if you've heard, right? Because the media is losing the narrative on COVID. People are just saying to hell with it. Hell with it. it. We're, we're, done. we're done. I'm done. We're getting vaccinated. One third of the population of the United States now is, is vaccinated. Um, you know, let's move on. People want to move on with their lives. So the, the media is losing the narrative. So naturally, there is a new strain. Oh, there's a new COVID strain. Yeah. It is the double mutant COVID strain. Mm -hmm. Double mutant. That's like you double top secret probation. This is, it, it cracks me up, actually. My wife was talking about this. Well, what about this strain? And what about this strain? I said, you know what, honey? There's an always a new strain, just like there's always a new strain of the flu, just like there's always a new mutation of the cold. I said the vaccine is actually proven to be fairly effective, even mm -hmm. against the new strains of the, of the disease. Mm -hmm. They're still proving to be effective. The problem is, is people are not following lockstep in line, nose to asshole anymore. And so they've got to keep everybody afraid to keep everybody in line. So guess what? There's a new strain. Or guess what? There's a new mutation. You're going to hear that word probably a couple more times. Yeah. Um, you know, herd immunity is a myth. And then you got the CDC out director out there literally contradicting herself within 48 hours. Um, 
we're doom and gloom. And as a mother and, and wife and spouse and a woman, I'm scared for the impending doom that this could bring mm -hmm. if we don't continue to do everything. And then turn around 48 hours later and say, the vaccine is proving to be, you know, 98% effective, both for Derza and, or excuse me, Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. And if you're fully vaccinated, you have a little to no chance of spreading the disease. You can still, you can still contract it, but actually spreading it, little to no chance. Now, CNN, so now people are, you know, they're getting the, they're getting the vaccine, right? Mm -hmm. And you get that little card that you can fill out and uh, it shows whether or not you got the vac vaccination. Um, many places are having you fill it out by hand. They're just telling you the information and you just fill it in yourself. Mm -hmm. um, some places require that you show an ID to, to get the vaccine card. Other places are not requiring the ID. Um, but anyway, CNN ran an article talking about how um, you should laminate your vaccine card right so that you keep it because now we're talking about having vaccine vaccine passports COVID 19 yeah. passports yeah. so they're saying well you should probably laminate it but but before you do that don't be so hasty to vac to uh laminate your card okay so there's a couple of things and they actually brought on dr liana wen who's an emergency physician and public health professor at george washington university they brought her on to talk about some things that you should do before, before you laminate your card. So what you should do is you should take a picture of the card after the first shot and then take a picture after the second one. Okay, that's in case you lose the physical card. Okay. Delta <clears throat> recommends you keep the picture on your phone and email yourself a copy just to be safe. But then Dr. Wen goes even further and she said, and then you should photocopy the card. So we're gonna have two photos, an email copy, a photograph, a photocopy and the original card. And then you can think about laminating, laminating. the vaccine card because having that many backups of the card is not redonkulous in and of itself. <laughs> I remember, um, did you ever see the movie Daddy Daycare? Uh, yeah. Yeah? The mm -hmm. the other uh, gentleman, I, um, Phil, I think was his name. I, I can't remember. But they get their little certificate that they pass their inspection. And he's showing it off. And she goes, that doesn't matter to me. He's like, ah, I'm going to get it laminated. <laughs> And he, they argue for a minute and he walks out and he's all laminated because <laughs> all of a sudden that makes it special. It makes it special. And, uh, it makes it important. I, I remember all the, um, God bless them, all of our, our senior citizens who were actually laminating their social security card, which mm -hmm. rendered it invalid because invalid. Um, you're not allowed to, by law, uh, laminate your social security card. But your vaccine think, card, by all means, I think get took that the done. So the, the the social security card used to say that not that you were not to laminate it, but I think do they not took laminate. It off. I think they took it off because so many people were laminating it. the The social security card used to at one time state that it was never to be used for identification purposes. Yes, and they took that off as well because well, 
we use it for identification identification purposes. (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this, Uh since you're a historian on the, on this subject. (laughs) So Uh if, if the social security card was never to be used for identification purposes and therefore not something worthy of being laminated and kept with you, um, what the hell was the point of actually having a social security card? Just to get social security benefits. And pay but social security taxes. You would have to, well, you don't, I don't need to have to show ID to pay taxes. Trust me. I mean, we all well, know yeah. that. But to well, just so they had to an account actually, to apply it to. But then I don't even need that card. I don't even need that. <laughs> well, I don't need that just number. Splitting hairs. Well, Come then on. what the heck's the point of it? <laughs> so you mean to tell me I don't have to show social, I, uh, social security identification or uh-huh. a social security card to right. get social security benefits? Well, not originally. <laughs> I didn't make the no rules, wonder. man. No, I know. Social security is just a fun, fun, fun ball of facts and interesting history. Mm-hmm. We should do that sometime. Just spend oh, a couple oh. hours talking about social oh, yeah. security. We should, we should do that because there's all kinds of good juicy bits in social security. Last, oh, bit, yeah. last bit of uh, stupid news. Um, okay. remember, remember how last summer we had activists who were tearing down statues of Civil War? Yes. Uh, icons christopher Here, columbus um christopher columbus uh yeah. hell abraham lincoln was removed from uh boston abraham lincoln i didn't hear that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you mean yeah, the, there was the uh liberator of the slaves abraham right, lincoln the, right there was a statue of abraham lincoln and there was a black slave kneeling before him and so the protesters said, well, this is problematic because look, it depicts black people as slaves in servitude and not no, recognizing. that was a depiction. I'm sorry. But not recognizing that in the, the artist's rendition of the statue, the slave was in, actual, in actuality rising up. Okay. But they had the statue removed. They had it removed anyway. Yeah. So this is what I love about woke culture. This is what I love about leftist activism because the left always eats its own. Not yes. before it eats everybody else first. So. Well, yeah, true. But eventually the left does turn on itself and eats its own tail. I'll give you, I'll give you a guess. Can you okay. guess who the latest... Um, icon of american history has come into the crosshairs of woke culture problematic Um, woke culture martin luther king Ooh, close president barack hussein obama really Uh uh-huh yeah wow president obama chicago in chicago a chicago i'm in area Chicago area immigration activists protest renaming middle school after the former president. So the Chicago area immigration activists are protesting a decision to rename an elementary school after former president Barack Obama because of the Democrats. Two middle schools named after Jefferson and Noah Webster are being renamed in Waukegan, north of Chicago. Just another example of the revisionist history tearing apart our education, so blah, blah, blah. The board suggested naming the school 
which, which was named after named for Jeff Jefferson, they suggest naming the school Barack and Michelle Obama Elementary. So this seemed, of course, like a great idea. Unfortunately, Latinx were outraged. Don't ever, ever, ever use that phrase again. What? Outraged? Were outraged? No, not that. Shut up. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Latinx? Yeah. Nobody. There isn't a Hispanic that I know that actually uses that stupid freaking phrase. I hate it. I Hispanics hate it so much. everywhere hate it's, it. It's so stupid. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Nobody yeah. likes it. So don't use that again. The, okay. The, so Hispanics were outraged. The Latinx <clears throat> were outraged. I told you never to do that again. Don't do that. <laughs> you're, now you're doing it on purpose. One school board member said this, quote, I will not be part of renaming a school after someone who did not and does not represent the undocumented community. Boom. There it is. Eating their own. Wow. From the they go on, from the time Barack Obama became president until 2017 when he left, he today is still the highest ranking president with deportations in our nation, said an immigration activist leader. We feel that Barack Obama did a disservice to us. He denied us and he didn't stop the deportations the way he promised. So now Obama is problematic and deserving of cancellation. That's one guy. But he was you a messianic not, figure. He was, he was, he was the Messiah returneth. Do you not remember the time picture? The picture of him yeah. on the cover of Time. We had that halo behind his head. Yeah. The yeah. the black screen or the, the dark background with the glowing circular halo around uh -huh. his head. Yeah. Oh, I remember. <clears throat> he's not he's not good enough anymore. I remember. But uh, I, I, I think, um, while I can appreciate the comments by that one board member or teacher or faculty member, whoever it was that you just spouted off, um, I don't think that represents massive Latinx um, outrage, to which case would, dude, oh, you, such a jerk. <coughs> I, don't, I don't think he's now the new enemy. Sorry, I can't make that leap yet. But the fact that it's that it, the fact that somebody's canceling him is just brings a smile to my face. Oh, okay. I'm enjoying the hell out of it, but I don't think that that constitute a mass cancellation and, and new outrage and in targeting like you are implying. Hmm. Hmm. Um, mm. I have a palate cleanser here for you. I love so, that. You love it. So here's video footage. I think this occurred in Russia. So a gentleman by the name of Steve Inman, I guess he does voiceovers or whatever, but he did a voiceover for some, uh, for a video footage of a guy who's trying to rob a store, like a little convenience store or something. Absolutely hysterical. Uh, okay. So you, you got the idea, guy robbing a convenience store. I'll just let, I'll just let Steve do what he does best because it's, uh, it's pretty priceless. There he goes. And they're going to start things off with a little bit of pepper spray to the face, a little bit to the nostrils, and go right back in that door. And uh, a little bit of safety, uh, you know, kind of a panic room there. And now the dude is just trying to figure out what the hell happened. He's blinded by the spray. 
I'm sure his nose hairs have singed by now. He is just in a weird state of mind. Now she's going to come right out the door and throw a little bit underneath and go, how do you like that? And now throwing some big bombs, throwing some huge combinations, and now he's really dazed. Now he's attacking the damn cigarette box. What a fool. You can see the another guy coming in. He's got the chair, comes blindsided, and booyah, right to the cranium. Boom. And man, just really taking care of things here tonight. This guy has messed with the wrong store. Congratulations, guys. Great job. Let's take a quick look at the replay. I mean, you can see right here, this fool had no idea what he was doing. He came in with a stupid hammer. You know, obviously, he's such an idiot. This clerk was very uh, experienced, probably been through the situation, went through that panic room, sprayed a couple singes to the nose. Then the clerk comes back with a second dose of the pepper spray, and some combinations are being landed and thrown here. Great job done by the clerk, showing some great stand-up skills. And, man, the thug is just straight-up dazed and confused. He's attacking the cigarettes. He's mad. He's pissed. He's like, what the hell's going on? And you know what? Just to top things up, just to put the cherry on top, you can see the other store owner or whoever this guy is comes in with a big chair. WWE-style smashes a dude on the cranium. And man, all I can hear is Sonic the Hedgehog coins going all over this place because this guy is completely going for the knockout here tonight. <laughs> that, was, that was pretty good. <laughs> oh, I got to be honest, I'm a little I'm a little surprised. I either this is a common occurrence or this is just a really well-prepared store owner that they actually have a panic room behind the counter in the convenience store. It's Russia apparently. Wow. Russia for you. Oh man. Oh. Too good. That's just I love That's... when people get beat down. I love when people try to go against law-abiding citizens and they just Get Turn a world and go, of hurt. Not in my house. Right, right. They just have a world of hurt brought down upon them. Armchair to the face. Bow. Another armchair to the face. Not twice. <laughs> <laughs> but three, four times. Just dunk. <laughs> I thought he was gonna like throw it at him, you know, and like I did too. let go. But, oh yeah. no, he just like keeps like hammering <laughs> that dude. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Okay, well let's talk about games. Okay. Yes. Right now I have a um whack-a-mole is in my head for some reason. I'm whack not sure why. Whack-a-mole. Whack-a-mole? You don't okay, see. I know if, what whack-a-mole is. I know. I was like, if I have to explain the joke, it's not very funny. Oh no. I just I watched the guy whacking the guy in the head with a chair. I'm thinking of whack-a-mole and you look confused. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm so, so let's talk. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, games. So, yeah, I want to I want to paint this picture that games are actually beneficial for society. Okay, there there probably be I will people. Let you start now. I know there are a lot of people that they don't like the idea of games. They really don't. They they look at games as being something that kids do. Right. Usually, they happen to have the title of wife. What? <laughs> No, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I think it is absolutely fair and imperative to point out that most of the time when you are specifically talking about your wife or uh -huh. female significant other uh -huh. referring to games as childish behavior, they are referring and more specifically pointing towards their husband or male significant other 
-hmm. who's either playing video games or playing games with their friends. Like role-playing games or going out and doing other games. They don't mind family games like playing cards or playing chess or no, why playing is that? Freaking why are they not against the kids and anything? So, but why is that? Why is it that they don't they they don't like certain games, but they are <laughs> totally accepting of other types of games? Because those games that I referred to initially, um, video games and yeah. um, games with friends and role playing games and things like that. Those are games that typically take the husband or male significant other away Away. from the family unit. Yeah. Away from the family unit. Um, Because let's be honest, if you're sitting there playing a video game, you're not paying attention to wife and kids or kids. If there's a and or situation, you're not paying attention to anything else but the TV. And I'm not suggesting that, that guys should, you know, abandon their responsibilities and play games i'm not referring to that at all no i i know that i know that but you're specifically asking why the resentment towards those things and i'm i'm trying to add at least some as best i can um from the female perspective of why those get classified in that way now i think the women should just play games is right alongside the guys and i knew that's what you were gonna say so let me answer that before you get ahead um women aren't gonna do that because two, two women, and this is not all women, ladies out there, mm-hmm. don't get all worked up on me yet. Give me a second. To a majority of women, I will say, I believe that they view those things as um, childish and genuinely uninteresting to them. But, it, they, but that's they, fascinating because the, the, when you look at the demographics of video gaming now, for example, about half of video gamers are now women now yes yes now that that i mean over the i would say probably over the last 10 years that's i I would say within the last 10 years there's been a more uh, i would say acceptance of Mm -hmm. a gaming Mm -hmm. culture um and a gaming ideology especially with the um, x games or not what the heck's the name of that the whole league for video games is it it's not x games that's the that's like motor motocross and stuff like that you know what I'm talking about, but there's actually gaming leagues out there now where you can play games professionally. Um, that's a fairly new idea, and there's been more acceptance to that, and so I do believe that there's more openness to that, and women are actually more drawn to that now because of that as well. Um, so, I, But I do believe that, especially when it comes to video games, that was more male, <clears throat> a more male-dominated um, area of play. Okay. So, so let's, let's kind of roll back time a little bit and and let's start with kids because we often think that there's always, there's been, at least within our society, uh, this longstanding belief that playing games is really a childish behavior. And, And I think part of that stereotype or that assumption is rooted in truth. We, we do play games with, with children, even little board games, right? There's a lot of different little board games uh, shoots and ladders or candy and slides or whatever the hell they call it. Candyland. You know, there, there are all of these little games that, that start teaching kids, um, you know, how to play games. And we often associate playing those games with learning about colors or learning how to do simple math or 
learning how to spell simple words or little things like that, right? You know, recognizing an apple or a cow or something, right? There might be like, because there, there are things like memory where you flip over all the cards and you have to match cow to cow or pig to pig, right? That's a form of a game. Um, so there are a lot of little games like that that start off with kids and then they get progressively more and more mature or difficult. And you have games like Sorry, right? Games like Parcheesi. Mm-hmm. You end up having other types of little card games, simple card games that kids can play. Go ahead, you're going to say something. Well, I'm so, I'm sorry, and, and I know my face does that. So, um, you know, yes, you're right. Some of those games actually teach those those really rudimentary fundamentals. But mm-hmm. I I can tell you, in playing games with my little girl, and even growing up in the early games, <clears throat> what she learned probably more out of that was. I guess there's some critical thinking skills involved and they do develop as games get bigger, but, but even more social interaction um, and, and the social rules that you lay down in that social construct of the game is probably what is that I see them learning more in playing those games. And that goes from simple things as to just wait your turn all the way up into learning how to lose and learning how to strategize to to win. Those kind of things actually become, I think, more prevalent very early on yes. in gaming. And, and I that's mean, where I was going. Two and three years old. Oh, right. okay, that's, I'm sorry. That's where I, I was going. There. So, I, But societally speaking, we tend to think of games as being, oh, that's a good game for them to play because they're learning their colors. Oh, that's a good game to play because they're learning their shapes. But there's more than just that. There's more than that. And that is the game is, a, we have to understand what a game is. A, a game is we are, when, if you and I come together or even with a child, I, we come together with a child and we say, we're gonna play this game. We're gonna have to, we have to teach the child the rules of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then the child accepts, has to accept those rules in order right. to play. Mm-hmm. Nobody is forcing the child to play the game. <laughs> you might as a parent because you're trying to shut them up and keep them from asking you for an ice cream cone but you also know when the rules are no longer accepted by the child i can tell you that i don't sure i don't want to play this game no more i'm leaving right right they get upset and leave (laughs) right but we 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 we, a game has certain rules that we have to abide by in order for us to gain mutual enjoyment from the game so we understand Mm -hmm. immediately or we start educating other people within our society that, hey, you know what? There are certain rules that we have. We have to, we have to follow these rules if we're going to get along for mutual benefit, okay? And so right. we start to see, okay, well then if I want to have fun with you, then I need to play by these, by these rules. And nobody, if I break the rules, Nothing's bad is going to happen. Nobody, no government official is going to show up on the doorstep and arrest you or anything like that, right? But if you play with somebody who always cheats, who's always breaking the rules or who's always trying to bend the rules in their favor, what ends up happening is other people don't want to play with that individual. They don't want to play with you anymore. They don't want to play with you anymore. Mm -hmm. And so we reinforce through through the act of playing games, we also reinforce how to behave socially, which is what you, you brought up. Right. Right. No, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm We're on the same wavelength. So I, I know you're going somewhere with that. Um, and yes, it is. Um, it's an interesting experience as a parent 
It's uh, to actually work with your child and learning how to play games. And it's funny because when you first start out, yeah, you allow for a little bit of bending of the rules. Um, and you, you, you don't try to whip your kid's butt in Connect 4 every time you play. You have to try and teach them how to do stuff. But then you're like, okay, fine. You don't want my help anymore? I'm going to show you how to do this right. Then you whoop their butt two or three times in a row and they get upset and they don't want to play with you anymore. So, but yes, there is that, that back and forth understanding of that. Yes, you have to obey, you have to abide by the rules that we each mutually agree upon to play the game. And if you do that, we can have fun. And you also, I think, which is very important, you have to learn how to lose and learn from the mistakes that caused you to end up losing the game and figure out how to overcome those. And that's kind of tricky, even from the parent perspective, because that's about the time where your child goes, I don't want to play this game anymore. It's dumb. And you go, no. Why did we lose? What happened? What did you do? You didn't see this over here. Let's try it again this time. So it's, it's an interesting fostering experience um, from the parent perspective and that now there's other games that there's no, there's no skill involved. It's pure chance. You know, Candyland's a great example. You draw a card, you move that many spaces, your turn. There isn't any strategy to it, and there's nothing right. other this than who gets what. Plug of the draw. But, right. So, but she's getting, my daughter's getting into other games that you actually have to think and try and do things a little bit better. So that's become fun doing that with her as well. Right. So if we fast forward in the, in the age bracket a little bit, and, and we're now, for lack of a better term, we're, you know, adults playing a game. <clears throat> there are all kinds of different games that we can play as adults. Um, but even a game like chess, okay, we have to agree. You and I, if we're going to sit down and play a game of chess, we have to agree, one, to play chess. Mm -hmm. we, have to, we have to understand the rules the same way. But you can't be playing by a completely different set of chess versus with the way I play chess. We're going to immediately come into conflict if we do that conflict that resides right. outside the normal bounds of chess so we have to agree on the rules and we have to agree to the the back and forth taking turns we have to agree mm -hmm. with what the pieces mean and what they represent and how those pieces how those pieces move around on the board so we we start recognizing and what we're what we're what's actually happening to us is we're being socialized to the culture of playing chess Right. So we're being socialized into this larger society or this larger culture of all of these other chess players worldwide. Mm -hmm. So if, if we go to a chess tournament, if we play chess on the weekends and then we decide to go to some big chess tournament, we may not have never met anybody that's, who's there. And people can come from all over the world to either play or to watch the chess tournament. And lo and behold, we will actually have something in common with everybody there. And that's our, our love for chess and our understanding of the right. game. Right, right. And understanding of the game for, well, I guess it's broader implications too, not just, that's the thing. One of the great things about chess, since you brought it up, everyone knows what the pieces are and what their moves look like. A pawn goes one space except off the starting line and then you get to go two can only take a piece diagonally the you know the knight goes in the l shape the the everybody knows that so right. there's not any house rules when it comes to chess 
So when you show up, everyone's on the exact same front and there's no, um, well, um, in my house, the rules are this, you know, knights get to go twice or I get right. to go twice. Cause I'm playing white and I'm privileged. So right. white privilege means white gets to move <laughs> twice. I, you know, I, there's a, there's racist implications to every game if you want to try and put it there. But yes, if the rules are out there, everyone knows exactly this is the rules of the game. That means you can actually, you're on that even playing field back and forth and you can have not only discourse with the person you're playing with, but also learn from one another in strategy and, and, um, and thought process, which is really kind of neat. Yeah. And, and when you, and you mentioned it just a minute ago about if you lose, if you lose it at a game of chess, but you have a desire to, to improve, then you have to, you have to do some soul searching and figure out well what actually happened in that game. Why did I lose that game? Um, What did I do incorrectly? What did my opponent do better than me? Uh, How did I miss whatever move that they were doing, et cetera, et cetera. So, right. So you're going to, you're going to start, looking at and analyzing your, your play for the purpose of actually, uh, of actually improving your overall gameplay. So it teaches us how to uh, overcome very difficult challenges, right? We might have the, the challenge of a better opponent sitting in front of us. So how we actually manage our emotions with respect to that, how we manage our emotions and dealing with the pieces, but also when we fail and we actually lose a game, we can analyze our, our play and learn from that from that experience, um, and so those are those are skill sets that we can use that get translated into larger society in terms of well things didn't go my way, well maybe I can think about that why what was it that I controlled that caused me to lose the game versus what were those things outside of my control that caused me to lose those to lose the game. How do I maximize, how do I improve my own, what I can control, and how do I minimize those risks that my opponent introduced? Those are great, those are great lessons to learn just naturally in life. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and you know, I wish I played more chess. I wish I had people that would play with me more. Um, I was never very good at chess, but I loved playing the game. It was always intriguing to me to try and figure out now why did I lose that game? Um, I thought I had that thing locked up. Nope. And it's, it's always been something that's, that's evaded me is my ability to play chess better. And I just don't think I played enough of it to really get there. But um, having that understanding of actually an each equal playing field with your opponent really does. I guess it's something that we're all trying to strive for anyways, to feel like we've got an equal opportunity to win. And that's what it is, right? It, it is the, a game is the epitome of having equal opportunity. Yes. But we also, we also recognize and children recognize it immediately that there's not an equality of outcome. Ah, you, you are sounding like Jordan Peterson. I kind of dig it. <laughs> <laughs> but kids recognize that. Yeah. You know, and, and when you when you try to create games in which nobody loses, the kids create the rules on their own so that there's winners and losers. No, you can't. That no, no, no. Kids, kids are are amazing for that ability to look at games. And and I said the same thing about you know kids um, or youth uh, baseball or little league or soccer or football or whatever. You tell them, well, we don't keep score. Well, who's we? 
because the kids right. know exactly what the they score know is. exactly what the score is and they know who wins and they know yeah. who loses yeah. and they'll i don't care whether you tell them no we're all winners and here's your trophy they're going to come off either really happy or disappointed right it because every they time they yeah. know i don't understand why we as educated and morally inferior adults feel an incumbent upon ourselves to try and force a feeling of uh i guess you could call it equality if you want on to kids who naturally know We're, we keep forcing participation trophies on everybody when they know damn good and well who the best ones were on the field yeah there's nothing wrong with recognizing that what would be healthier for us is to say okay you guys didn't win this time why let's look at how we can do better did you still have fun having fun that and playing the game enjoy that you don't always have to win you're not always going to win son or daughter your life is you're not always going to win at life but it's how you respond to your failures that makes you the the person that you are going to become that's what makes you special well, and, and the nice thing about games is we have to, so we take just these disparate things, these disparate elements, pieces, a board, whatever, and we create our own little world, our own little universe in that, in that playing on that board itself. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, when we're playing that game, nothing else matters. Right. The world kind of, the rest of the world, the outside world sort of melts away. And the only thing that matters is what's happening on the board in that moment, right? But when, when we're playing the game, if, if I'm trying, let's say I'm learning from, I'm learning how to play chess from you, then what I'm doing is I'm learning not just how the pieces move, but I'm also learning about what's the, what the important behaviors are by watching you play mm -hmm. and the way that you respond to my moves, the way you treat me, et cetera. And you'll find that we see this with, with chess players and with Go players, for example, that no matter where you travel, those players, they all pretty much behave the same way when playing the game. So they may have, they, you know, they may be lunatics outside of the, the, the hall, okay? But when they come together and to play that game, their behavior, their sportsmanship, whatever you want to call it, it's all, it, it pretty much mirrors everybody. And you have to mm -hmm. think about how do people who never met each other wind up coming together to play a game at like a tournament or a convention or something like that? And they all have now emulated, they start to emulate the exact same behavior. Well, it's like what you said before. It's an acceptance, an absolute and total acceptance of the social constructs of the game and the rules thereof. Um, and it, it, right. it creates right. its own micro society, if you will, of mutual existence. Right. So. Because if I want to continue playing, I need to emulate the behaviors that other good chess players or go players emulate that they practice. So I need to emulate the way they behave. And so this, the game in essence brings order into our lives. It's a process of how we can bring order through the ability, through the, the, the form of play or the medium of play um, to actually bring people together 
and behave in a society that to mutual benefit. And the right. mutual benefit is very minor. It's, you know, yes, there might be a chess federation or a go federation that kind of makes up rules, but they also don't pass down new regulations every single year on the, on themselves, right? They just... <laughs> I think it's like once every hundred years that the chess federation actually makes a new rule. Um, but for all intents and purposes, you've got a group of people that <laughs> modify their behavior and behave a certain way uh, for mutual benefit with very, very little oversight. It's interesting to me to look at, at rules and, and equate them to laws. All right. So let me, let me, let me stop on that thought and go back. So, do you know that in, in football, so in the NFL official adopted rule book, there are no rules that say you cannot use a baseball bat to stop your opponent. Did you know that there's no rule that says you oh, can't I'm sure. do that? I'm sure there's probably no rule that says you can't use a, uh, a hockey stick or a lacrosse stick either. Right. Right. But that's against the rules. We know is. that. Right. We all know that. If somebody were to walk onto the football field in their full getup and take out a Louisville slugger and start going, all right, who's Everybody coming my say, way? You can't do that. Hey, well, you can't do that. And you turn around and say, it's not in the rules. Yeah. But it's against the rules. We all know it. We don't need to write a rule into the football or the NFL rule book that says you cannot use a hockey stick or baseball bat or... I, I don't know, you know, M4 assault rifle to stop the person with the football. We yeah. just know you can't do that. You have to tackle them. That's the, that's, that's the rules. Right. There, there are the rules. And then there are also the spirit of the rules. Correct. And yet when it comes to our own government and our own constitution and our own laws, we do the exact opposite. Yeah. Every single time. Did you know that there's no law out there written that says you can't drop an atomic bomb on your neighbor because their dogs were barking? Well, that's going to happen tomorrow if we don't write a law that says that we have to stop that kind of behavior. And that would pass probably <laughs> with bipartisan support more than likely because you're a racist if you think that, you know, if you would oppose that. But yet in the social construct of games, we understand, like you were saying, the spirit of the rules and we accept that social construct that the game has created and we abide by that. Otherwise we're kicked out and usually not by the people administering the game because it's just us. We're all playing the game together and that doesn't matter whether it's football or sports or I don't care, a spirited game of Monopoly at the dining room table, which probably has more house rules than any other game in existence. Yeah, yes, <laughs> Pro yes, probably. Um, you know, in some games, some games even take on mythological type of, type of qualities um, too. Um, there's a lot of mythology in terms of the different types of chess pieces that exist on a board between the king and the queen and the bishop and the knights, etc. Uh, but if you look at the game of Go, for example, the game of Go, are you familiar with the game of Go? You brought up the game Go once before, and it just looked like a whole bunch of dots on a page to me. But... <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> 
Well, in a way it is in, in, <laughs> in, in a way that's, that's exactly what it is in a sense, you know, it's this big board and, and it's got just different lines going vertically and horizontally. Right. And wherever they intersect, there's a, there's a, well, not all of them have a dot, but the, you only play pieces on the intersections. You don't play them in the squares um, in between the lines. You only play on the intersections. Um, but it's actually what's actually really fascinating about the game of Go is the Chinese and the Japanese have always equated the, the, the board of Go to be like the universe um, on all the little points where the lines crisscross are all uh, is, is associated with the stars of heaven and so it becomes this whole game of, of you know, because it is a game about taking territory. So it's a game about teaching territory, you know, using your limited resources to take territory away from your opponent. Um, what's interesting about Go is you primarily play it by you keep adding pieces to the board as opposed to removing pieces, or at least that's the intent. Although there are moments when pieces can be removed from the table. Um, most Go games don't actually end up having the pieces removed because players will recognize, oh, that unit's gone, so I'm no longer going to play any pieces there. If they would continue to play in that in those areas, then all of their pieces would be removed. But since they kind of give up on it, the pieces remain. So the board fills up and continuously fills up with more and more pieces until nobody can play anymore. And you look, you're looking at me like you're complete and total full shit. I'll I'll stick to Mahjong and Chinese checkers, thank you. <laughs> Go is a very difficult game. I've been studying Go now for a while. Um, and uh, it took me a while just to be able to wrap my head around what it was that I was. I, I, I downloaded it electronically so I could play, so I could learn how to play the damn game. And I would make moves and then I would lose. And I didn't understand. I, it took me what forever. Happened? What, I, what yeah, just I happened? Didn't, I didn't understand like how I was actually losing the game. Or I would have it look like a majority of the board I had taken over. And then the game would end and I'd lose by 77 points. I'm like, what the hell? I don't understand what I'm doing wrong. I don't, I don't understand. I wasn't able to connect. I'm like, don't I own more, most of the board? And then I started to realize that, oh, it's not just about having a ton of pieces. What I was doing is a territory was already taken over by the, by the opponent. And I was just giving them extra stones and filling it in there. So yeah, I had more <laughs> stones in that area, but the area was lost. So yeah. that was a concept that took a long time for me to understand. But, and there was a point where I was like, screw it. I'm not going, I'm not going to worry about, it. I don't understand it. I'm not, I'm not smart enough to know about go and I abandoned the game like for six months. And then I came back to it and I said, no, damn it. I'm going to try to understand this stupid game. <laughs> <laughs> and well, I good on you for games. your persistence and fortitude, sir. I mean, I'm, I'm still not good. Don't get me wrong. I'm, yeah. I'm still terrible, I, I, you know. Um, but I at least have a better understanding. And what's, what's funny is I can watch a game of Go. And if I'm watching it, I can rationalize, oh, they should do this or they should do that. And based on the commentary, sometimes, you know, a lot of times I'm proven right in terms of my overall strategy. But when it comes to me actually placing the stones, it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Oh, yeah. I, I can watch a game of football on TV and know exactly where the ball should have gone and, and say, you know, yeah. oh, no, you should yeah. be making a play over here. But uh, you put me on the field and I'm just going to end up hurt. 
Well, <laughs> what ball? Where's that? Yeah, where's it? Where'd who go? <laughs> <laughs> the last thing that I want to say about about uh, games is as we get into being adults, um, there's a the playing of the games takes on new um, a new benefit. You know, some um, some people will liken getting together to play games as um, the equivalent of like a, a new guy's night rather than going and hanging out, at, hanging out at the bar, they might get together and, and play a game on a, on a specific night. Um, which is, you know, which is a lot better. What wives, what would you rather have? Would you rather have your husband sitting around playing a stupid game or would you rather have your husbands go to the bar, drink a bunch of beers and ogle women all night long? Right. And, and, you know, I used, I remember hearing a lot of stories about, especially like my grandparents getting together with the neighbors or another couple or a couple couples um, from church or things like that and playing cards, you know, whether mm -hmm. it was Pinochle or Bridge or some of those other games. That used to happen a lot. That need for, for games to bring people together for social interaction and, um, and creating, I guess, community to a point. That was not only not only something welcome, but it was almost of necessity. You know that 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 community involvement and games being a mechanism to do that was was socially acceptable and encouraged. Now I, I think those games exist. The medium has changed. You, let's face it, people, you're my age. We're not getting together with other families and paying bridge. I don't it's understand happening. Bridge. Yeah. It, okay um poker night guys will do but our wives will frown on that most of the time for almost the same reasons we might as well be at the bar because poker night's going to consist of five to, to eight guys who are probably drinking way too much beer um half of them smoking cigars or other things and everybody comes home drunk and stinky and they've just been out drinking and hanging out with their buddies all night and depending upon what kind of game it is, potentially losing, you know, anywhere from 20 to a hundred bucks. So yeah, I get it. But so taking it to, let's say video games, like you're saying, or maybe you're alluding to, there's still that need for some sort of social interaction and social community. I think our communities are much more widespread with our ability to reach out to those people that aren't living, you know, two or three doors down the road. And it's not over a game of cards. It might be over a video game, but that still exists. The challenge I think for especially couples and families is how to involve couples and families in that community building exercise together so that there's not a feeling of, of social isolation within the household. I don't think that's necessarily a bad idea. Um, that's I would I would say that that's one expression that can take place within within a community setting. Uh, and I would encourage any if if couples want to play games together or with other couples, absolutely. There, there's a you know there's something to be said for that. I think there's also something to be said for whether it be the guys getting together to play a game or the ladies getting together to play a game, because at that point. You have to understand when we're talking about these social interactions where we're coming together, it's actually really not about the game. No different no. than it's not about the poker. It's not about the right. poker. It's about hanging out with your buddies and doing something while you're hanging out. 
mm-hmm. so if you're if you're if you add in the 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 couple component, well then it's friends getting together again as couples as a date Correct. as a form of a date night. We're getting together, and rather than just sitting there staring at each other and having a conversation, well now we can be doing something fun and and even if we don't agree on what to talk about, we can at least come together as couples and play with, play the game. Right. 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 So even if I don't, you know, even if your wife doesn't like your friends, if we're playing a game that she enjoys, well, she didn't have to talk to your friends about, because, you know, just sitting in a room and talking to your friends, she doesn't want to do that. But if she likes playing the game, Mm -hmm. now she can actually be interacting and all the conversation can be directed towards the game. And now she's hanging out and she's part of the social interactive group. So it's not about the, the game. As we get into adulthood, the games are no longer about being the games. It's about that social bonding and that interaction that reinforces our behavior in society. Correct. And, and you know, it's, it's something my wife has actually started to really understand. I think well, my family play games a lot. And it's mostly, you know, card games, board games, et cetera. Those things where we can come around the table. We, we're vicious with each other when it comes to playing games. And that's what makes it so much fun. There, I, You would never believe the amount of shit talking that can happen over a game of, of hearts or cribbage for crying out loud. But there's a lot. And every game we play is that way. And my wife was at first, she was like, I don't want to play games with you guys. You guys are cutthroat and nasty and vicious with each other. And I'm like, honey, that's just the game. That's, that's how that's, that's called playing games. That's that's what makes it fun. She goes, I've seen you. That's not fun. (laughs) But, and so, but I think even she's actually starting to really understand that it's, it's about us all being together. The game doesn't necessarily matter whether she likes to play Euchre or not. She will. Um, whether she likes to play cribbage or not, she will, because it's not about what we're doing with our hands and how we're counting and who's winning. It's about all of us being together and playing together. You know, right. we're not <laughs> rustling around on the floor anymore because right. we're not kids. We're adults. So this is, it's us rustling around. We're just doing it more civilized. And, and you probably, even though you're shit talking the entire time and bashing on each other the entire time, somebody wins at the end of the night and there's probably, I'm sure a celebratory dance that takes place with arms above your head and, you know, giving it to everybody else at the table. But most people have probably forgotten who won five minutes later. Oh, not, no, 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 no. So I I don't mean they've forgotten. I don't mean, I don't mean that they've forgotten about it, but I mean, they've moved on probably within five to 10 minutes. That depends upon the game, how late it is in the evening and how much we want to start poking the bear to play again in the next morning. Cause that all happens too. But yes, there's no sour grapes about it. There's a whole bunch of shit talking and there's a whole bunch of ego boosting and there's a whole bunch of name calling and, you know, cheating and yeah, you do this. And well, if you know, you can't, if you can't count it, you don't get your points kind of stuff. I mean, just all, Oh, it's so but it's good. That's, and it's, it's all, and well, and you know me, so you know my family by extension. If we're not giving each other crap, we don't care about you. 
Right. So, I was going to say the, the, the giving of the crown. We love the, the, the hell the game, out of us, all of us. A the lot. game is just, <laughs> the game is just an excuse to give each other. It's just a reason that other, it's mm-hmm. just a, literally a reason rather than just sitting around and just saying, you're an asshole. I can play a game and say, well, you're an asshole because you just did that. Because wanna, you did that. Is that- <laughs> I want to, I already want to call you an asshole. So now the game Correct. is just a reason. It's just a, a pathway for me to call it and be justified in my yes. calling you of an asshole. So you guys yes. really want to bash on each other anyway. You're just using the game as an excuse to do so. But we bash with love. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole lot of love in my house when it comes mm. to games, let me tell mm-hmm. you. <laughs> mm-hmm. But right. it, it, it also does, I, I do appreciate what you said about the whole world melting away in that moment too. Because that's that's an important component for play and especially playing games. Is, you know, we're, we're consumed in the, in the hustle and bustle of making our daily life yeah. about production. What are we able to produce? What are we able to maintain? And, and it's always go and it's always at the speed of light. And I believe that that setting aside that small, but absolutely imperatively necessary portion of our life for play, especially with those we care about really does allow that hustle and bustle and that daily grind to just melt away into absolute background noise and nothingness. And we can be consumed in that one moment. You know, one one final point on on all of this. If I think I think more people should play games because games we're, we're finding in in games research that there are a lot of additional benefits uh, to playing games. For example, there are researchers who are studying the effects of playing games that playing games can have for cancer patients. Not that playing games is going to cure cancer necessarily, but you know you have some cancer patients that they just they can't eat. They they're, they're so sick, they can't really do anything. Uh, and yet, if you give them a game that they are engaged in, they don't think about being sick anymore. They're able to, all of that sort of melts away. They're able to focus on, on the, the moment of playing the game. And if it's a long enough game, all of a sudden hours have gone past. So there are researchers who are experimenting with giving, especially with like young kids, for example, giving them cancer treatments and allowing them to play video games because it takes their mind off of what their body's actually actually going through. And if anybody, if anybody has ever played a video game and forgotten to eat and didn't even realize you needed to eat, that's along the same lines. Uh, and a, there's another study that was done just a few years ago. They looked at, the researchers looked at executives and executives, they, they have these high powered jobs where they're making decisions all day long but they noticed, the researchers noticed that there was a very high level, not only just of stress, but also of depression amongst these uh, individuals. And they hypothesized that, well, maybe it's because they're not actually accomplishing anything. And, you know, there's a lot of satisfaction that people get when you do a job and you can leave at the end of the day knowing that you got work done. And for a lot of management type, they don't actually do anything. They're in meetings all the time. So what these researchers did is they had these executives actually take five minutes, 10 minute breaks every few hours and just play a game on their portable devices. 
um, little, you know, whether it be like a little game of Mahjong or just some little puzzle game. And they found that the, the majority of the, the management, their stress levels decreased while their sense of engagement um, and satisfaction in the workplace actually increased. By playing the game, they were able to show that, hey, you know what, you may not be accomplishing anything in the office, but playing this game gives you a little bit of that sense of accomplishment to carry on and continue on with your with your lifestyle, with with your work and what you're trying to focus on. So games have that ability, that ability to play has provides that ability to sort of reset ourselves and stay focused and continue to do something, even if it's even if we often feel like we're Sisyphus pushing a boulder up the hill. Well said. All right. Well, I think that brings us to the close of this particular episode. So thank you, brother. Episode Absolutely. Anytime. 52, 52 in the can. So again, speaking of you, games, it's a deck of cards of episodes. A deck of, <laughs> yes, a deck of cards of episodes. So hopefully, yeah, we're going to get everything returned back to YouTube over time, I suppose, maybe, perhaps. We'll see. But of course, you can find everything <laughs> off of our website, fusionunderground.net. For Jason Rett. I'm Manuel Ramirez. You've been listening to Fusion Underground. Have a good night. Peace for late. <laughs>